0: What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact... Every bite is better with Pepsi.
1: Hi there, this is Greg Lagro And this is Jamie Dew of Fully and Completely. I'm You're listening to...
2: Welcome to Fully and Completely, your podcast about seminal Canadian supergroup The Tragically Hip, where my partner Greg LeGrow and I, Jamie Dew, discuss the catalog of seminal Canadian supergroup, the tragically hip. Did I just say that twice? There's a reason I don't do these introductions. You see, essentially though, what we do is we talk about the catalog. We talk about pop culture and occasionally we make stops along the way, sitting down with someone of note to discuss our favorite band, the hip. This month is one of those hipsteries. We had the good fortune to sit down with Mr. Dave Bedini. He's a multi-hyphenate, okay? Do you know what that means? It means he wears a lot of hats. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. He's a published author. He's a newspaper magnet. He is, he is a, a published playwright. The guy wears a lot of fucking hats. I'm telling you. It's really cool. And we're so fortunate that he took time to sit down with us. Although Greg isn't here as I record this introduction he is of course a big part of the interview you'll hear he uh, he carries the load folks. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie he carries the load but let's um let's go on to this interview and give it a listen shouldn't we? That's what we're here for. This is thugs from Winnipeg in 1995. The Rios were opening up for the hip. Dave picked this song. And here it is as we lead into our interview with Dave Padini.
1: super exciting yeah
2: it's uh, good to
3: be here yeah yeah we're all richer for it there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes you are yeah, yeah yes yeah. you are wow. a great man once said yes indeed yeah i um, get that a lot yeah i imagine it's, you've probably it's good. heard that before it's good. it's good i get that and hey it's the guy in the hat yeah oh okay yeah. Yeah i wear hats too (laughs) there you go right (laughs) great
1: um this is wild i'm very excited that you're here this is really cool um david dean sitting down with us well
3: thanks for asking me Uh, truly well yeah our pleasure this is part of my uh campaign to um get out of the house maybe a little bit and just to to honor the the canadian independent podcast because i was telling you guys earlier i get to do a lot of them and i just like I just close my computer and then just yeah. don't bother answering. Well, it's, me, but it's I'm very like, easy. Yeah. I'm such a like I'm such a fan too. I listen to listen to you guys. Listen to lots of great podcasts. And um, so yeah, so it's yeah. good to yeah. You can dive into the here. pool now. Yeah, I am indeed. Yeah, I'm all wet. Well, welcome, pleasure. Good.
1: So that wraps
4: it up then.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I nice can enjoy your next show.
1: <laughs>
3: good. These are great. They're so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Not challenging at all.
2: Well, I want to start. I want to start at the start. Um, as far as, uh, reastatics go and talk about, tell us a little bit about, you know, forming the band and, you know, starting a band at that time and what the, you know, the the Toronto and Canadian scene was like. (laughs)
3: Well, I wouldn't. I uh, 1980. I would have been um, 17. I had no idea really what the scene was like. I didn't mm-hmm. even go downtown. Like honestly, we were to- Etobicoke kids, and yeah,
1: there wasn't a big Etobicoke scene. Really
3: <laughs> <had>. <laughs> there was like uh, you know, there was a lot of there were dis- disco strip mall discotheques was sure, kind of a sure. big thing back yeah. then. Dances at the Etobicoke Olympium. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was McLean Hunter Cable Ten, oh, nice. um, which was a bit of an early lifeline. Yeah, there was. Um, McLean Hunt used to have bands in the studio. In fact, I remember an early um, iteration of uh, the band Anvil Oh, uh, sure. played wow. at McLean Hunter. They were called Lips back then and Lips is the a singer of Anvil, but uh, they did Ted Nugent covers. Yeah, yeah, And um so they would just like open the studio, you know, go on air and and Lips would play like, you know, the Nuge. Yeah. And uh yeah. well to me, you know, clicking that TV on when I was a kid was the greatest thing I have ever seen in, in my life, you know, it's a live <laughs> rock band. Wow. <laughs> um so there was that and uh, uh Kirk LePoint who ended up being a journalist out west and I think he does like executive publishing. Um he had a phone-in show um he would review bands he would review albums he had rick emmett from triumph was one of his guests uh, a woman called once we were all watching like our friend we would all watch in our homes our respective homes me and my buddies we'd watch this kirk Lapointe show and a woman called in and said to kirk i just want to ask you one question and, and rick rick but emmett said okay and she said uh, can i suck your cock
4: and it was like oh
3: it was, well, it was a great moment in etobicoke television and, and rick emmett still remembers that story got a chance to ask him about it and stuff and so live television right wow. um so that was that was the extent to which we were dialed into anything sure, sure. you know we just um our drummer dave clark who's our current drummer he um he played in like jobbing bands, bands and wedding bands, so he actually knew some kind of legitimate legitimate musicians. But um, right. the rest of us had no idea. So you know, uh, like, listen, occasionally we would go to Young Street to buy records, you know, and yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. Go to go to the ho- to go to hockey games or whatever. But really, downtown was um, just this mysterious place to us until we were in our you know middle to late teens, which was kind of made. You know, when we met city bands, um, people who'd been living downtown for a long time and playing, it was like. Uh, that that electricity and that mystery and intrigue Mm -hmm. of the city was kind of you know it was well worn in for them right so the there was a the excitement wasn't quite what it was for us so for us it was really this interesting kind of odyssey into a whole other whole other world um you know we would gig in gig downtown and we would go back to the suburbs and 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 sleep and it wasn't until we moved downtown that we really kind of got to know it right but um and that was the yeah we pressed, pressed 45 in 1980 and um you know, my dad and his business partner picked it up in their cars, and at a pressing plant in Mississauga, brought it in, and um, and that was our yeah, that was our first that was our first record. Um, and you started;
1: it was you and Tim
3: and Dave. So it was M- me. Martin Tim. came later. Yeah, it was yeah. me, Tim, right. Dave Clark, and Dave Crosby, right, right, right. <clears throat> who was our friend because mm-hmm. that's who you form bands with yeah, your friends. He was our synthesizer player, right, and uh, he quit to join the NBA. Okay. Didn't join the NBA, All but right. whatever. That's what and we we, also, Yeah, it happens. We stayed in hope. touch, and uh, he played a few gigs with us, which was great. And then, uh, but we we had a couple of drummers. Our original drummer was this guy named Rod Westlake, who's a pilot now. Um, I think for Air Trans at Air Canada. He um, he was our first drummer, and uh, as a joke, I pretended to call the police on him <laughs> because his dad would. Um, um, st- I don't think he really stole them. I think they might have just been lying around, but like street signs and stop signs and yield signs and stuff. And like, <laughs> and he would put them up in the basement. And I call, I, I pretended to call the cops and said, oh, I, you know, officer, there's all the stolen street. Sign, equipment whatever signs in the basement here and i guess I had, I had actually called um 911 or whatever the at the time but i hadn't hung up the phone fast enough and then the cop showed up at his house the next day and wanted to talk to mr westlake and then a day later um rod showed up and his dad who's his car was in the parking uh, in the driveway showed up with my amp and said my, my dad doesn't want you to Come over anymore, <laughs> and that was, and that was the end of Rod, Rod West, like being the drummer for the rheostatic So, but he, so yeah, that was uh, they kind of very ended really unceremoniously. At least he i was just uh, he ended up fine. Yeah, I'm good. still a jerk, uh, clearly, <laughs> but um, uh, he said I have a friend. Uh, he he brought Dave Clark. He he mm-hmm. turned us on to Dave, right? And then um, yeah. Clicked immediately, and then mm-hmm. Martin came 90, around 1985 or so. Cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, earlier than that, I guess. Because um, our first tour was in Jesus. No, sorry. Yeah, she would have joined around 85. First tour was in 87. Right.
1: Yeah. That's in, like it's not really the common approach to have so many songwriters. True. In one band, but it works for you guys.
3: Yeah, it's um yeah that's been probably the most um I think in a weird way that's kind of our greatest achievement partly to sure. have all of these different songwriters these different voices yet you know somehow over the course of the you know while well, listening to the music there a unified sound kind of emerges for sure um and then but we were always really we were always intent on sort of writing for each other too from mm-hmm. the very beginning actually um and I think that was partly because you know for me it was like i really like the band you know yeah and how that was a, that they did that i mean they had three singers yeah. you know and they yeah. and they would like robbie wrote a ton of the stuff obviously but they that was all this big kind of you know this this soup right all of them together and yeah. out of the sound kind of emerged too yeah. so um i think in a weird way we were i think it sort of did hold us back partly just sort of a, for a, in terms of like a greater kind of a broader acceptance because mm-hmm. generally people kind of fear to sort of one thing they know this one thing they know you know but, sure. but i think in, a, in the way it's helped us sustain us because we have all this material and we have all these people contributing oh, yeah. all the time well, it's so. and, and
1: it, you there's so much variety then in the band yeah I mean, it's, it, exactly. and it's it can work you know like the beatles did all right sure they did that kind of thing there you go <laughs> but, we're uh, tobaccos beatles yeah. some would say <laughs> <laughs> I think you know that was a hard road to maybe pave in the in the 80s and early 90s, or uh, I think now it's it's definitely a benefit for you. Is I think the people with with the internet and how people digest music now, having such variety in That's one true. band, is is probably uh, nothing yeah. but a plus.
3: That's interesting too, just the way playlists work as well. Like it really stuff you know crickets all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the way people listen to music, you're right. It's not you won't sit down. Most people won't sit down with a... <clears throat> you know with the 22 minute side of music right yeah. it'll be click 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 and you know they'll be you know ferreting their way through all kinds yeah. of different sound for sure yeah oh. it's probably a, it's probably a, a solid theory you've you've offered there oh, wonderful <laughs> of them,
2: We're gonna sing.
3: i like the sound of that
0: well oh, you haven't heard it yet oh true <laughs>
3: Now, Ron's got, Ron had the class to wear a nice shirt.
0: You think so? I do. All right. Yeah, it's uh, bright red for all of you at home. I'll be wiggling my butt for all the people. They don't know this, but the audience is actually behind me and Gord right now, so they don't, all they're seeing is a mop and a brush <laughs> brush cut sort of thing. Anyway, stop me. A couple I'm of, rambling. of I'm nice cheeks. On. <laughs> I'm rambling on.
5: <clears throat> Just take me in your hand. It's a Rio song. BANG
1: So, uh, with that, with you having these big uh, song, and you guys come from different angles of songwriting, which is great, and I and I love that so much. And you moved around with uh, different labels, like didn't you guys change labels like three times or something, and for the first few years or yeah. few albums? Yeah, probably at least three, I think. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. How is it? Was that movement that affect you guys as far as songwriting or how you continue to gel as this big unit? Was there? Did you feel more? Uh, emboldened as a as a group to uh to stick together then with your
3: um because because
1: it just was... with the, i mean w- w- with paving the way with four songwriters or doing your own thing so right. specifically
3: but it's more i think it was more about be doing your own thing as opposed to having these different voices in the band i think right. you know um we're we've we've like uh traditionally chronically endemically been a really really tough band to manage i think sure um because there's so many personalities in it um and it's a little bit unruly that way mm-hmm. um so and i'll even think of probably a hard band to produce as well a little bit right. um but uh in terms of record companies like yeah it's true i just always found that um you know they people didn't never really knew what to do with us i think it i think where you know our management and our label now with six shooter i think you know and it is different times but i Mm -hmm. think they have a better sense of how to kind of manage every uh, the sound and the band and what we are um whereas yeah you bands labels would sort of try to squish you a little bit Mm -hmm. you know and they would like well we sort of need more you know more of this and more of that and it's like we really never really we we, we were hard we weren't really good with um sticking to the program as it were right? We were always, you know, um, flitting about and trying to come, you know, listen, if you walked into a room together um, and you're set to rehearse or whatever and an idea strikes you and, you know, if, if it's an exciting idea that doesn't necessarily meet the form, um, you'd be silly not to pursue it because it could yield something really interesting, right? right? So, um, yeah, we always kind of it's we've largely gotten we've gotten uh, through this journey by, uh, by you know a kind of in a kind of um you know a, through feel as opposed to mm-hmm. any kind of real master plan or program or or approach right. um and yeah it might have been a little bit better at some some if at some point down the line somebody had said like you know, really, if you kind of want to end up here rather than here, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. But nobody really told us that. Sure. I don't think so. I don't
4: know know why. Maybe they
3: didn't care enough or maybe we just weren't uh, hanging out in the right, uh, you know, wine bars. I'm not sure. sure, sure. So, and we were all with, because we came out of Punk and New Wave 2, there was um, there was an art is everything kind of um, approach to what we did, yeah. and we were a little uh, always a little bit suspicious, I, I suppose, of the industry of the nature sure. of the industry in Canada, anyways. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so, well, speaking of that, I, there's you know plenty of Canadian artists throughout uh, the decades of rock music, but um, I guess something started to happen where it became okay to write about it. Like, mm-hmm. You know, you didn't it didn't really come up on you know, Corey Hart tracks and Brian Adams not or something, like, you know, writing yeah. about Canada yeah. right? and not in sort of like a flag waving, just, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, blindly patriotic way, but right. an experience sort of. That's right. And you guys do that beautifully. And it's mm-hmm. it's amazing to have so many songwriters in one band who all do it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hip obviously are quite good at it as well. They're mm-hmm. pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, was it ever discussed? Was it something you guys wanted to express as a group or it just came naturally? You know, being the Etobicoke boys, but. To write about what you
3: know. No, I mean there were. If you go and listen to our early tracks, there we're trying to sound like we come from Brighton, you know, sure. or we're, you know, <laughs> I have a rehearsal tape uh, that I, that I occasionally pull out to humor friends. It's it's me um, talking in in rehearsal. I think in like 1979, I I am literally speaking with a British accent that I put on <laughs> to try to seem cool. It's oh, yeah. horribly embarrassing. Yes. It's amazing, but no, we were, um, you know, we wanted to be sound like you know XCC and and our favorite new wave bands. We didn't we weren't interested in all at all in like being canadian two things happened and gord has described this and have not been the same about how you know after hearing saskatchewan it, for him it was like discovering a house in his in a home a room in a home that he'd never actually been in before right. and then walking around and realizing that these things were possible and um it two things happened one was i went to ireland in 1985 and um, i went to school there and i sort of discovered Um, uh, how important um, nationhood could be to Mm -hmm. art and Mm -hmm. the Irish are traditionally really great at that yeah. and not in a not in a, n- a typically kind of flag waving way but in a really kind of deeply um, empathetic artful intellectual way I think mm-hmm. as well the way they write about their country and this is not just music too but going back to literature and sure. and, and humor um, they write about it in a real kind of rich rich kind of meaty way um, as opposed to being kind of sloganeering that, that, that sort of happened and I write about it on a cold road about how when I went to Ireland in 85 I had a Stomp and Tom Connors tape with me and uh-huh. so when anyone would come over to my place and ask me like what's Canada like because I got that question a lot and I realized I had no idea how to explain what Canada is sure and in a way it's I can't I can't still can't because it's so so unruly and it's so vast but I instead well so when people young Irish would ask me that I just played them Stom and Tom Connors tape right, right. because I mean he pretty much you know <laughs> he wrote about snowmobiles and he wrote about you know all the song where he lists all the capitals and they were like oh you can immediately know what the capitals of Canada were after you listen to My Stomach Grounds and so it was really quite instructive to them and I don't think I'd ever really appreciated Tom before until right. I sort of saw, heard his music or saw what, what he was trying to communicate through somebody else's eyes right.
0: Ottawa is a mighty good town they never turn a maple leaf upside down Here's the Ottawa in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of British Columbia? Victoria! Victoria is a mighty good town. They never we turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Victoria in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Alberta?
4: Edmonton!
0: Edmonton is a mighty good town. They never we turn a maple leaf upside down. down. Here's the Edmonton in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Saskatchewan? Regina! Regina is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Regina in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Manitoba? Winnipeg! Winnipeg is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Winnipeg in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of? Ontario! Toronto! Toronto 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 is a mighty good town. town. They never never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Toronto in the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of? Quebec! Quebec City! Quebec City is is a mighty good good town. town. They never never turn a maple leaf upside down. down. Here's the Quebec and the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of New Brunswick? Fredericton! Fredericton is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Fredericton and the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Nova Scotia?
4: Halifax!
0: Halifax is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Halifax and the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Prince Edward Island? Charlottetown! Charlottetown is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the Charlottetown and the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Newfoundland? St.
4: John's!
0: St. John's is a mighty good town. They never turn a maple leaf upside down. Here's the St. John's and the land we love. Can anyone here name the capital of Canada?
4: Ottawa!
0: Ottawa Ottawa is a mighty good town. town. They never Never turn a maple leaf upside down. down. Here's the Ottawa and the land we love. And here's to the maple leaf flag that flies up in Canada's sky high above.
3: So when I came back, um, I kind of had a sense of, where maybe we could go in terms of trying to explore that a little bit um but but it really wasn't until so so 85 i was in ireland 86 um uh i we rediscovered or we found and tom we 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 crashed his 50th birthday party in balnafad he was in exile i don't know if you know that story but um tom was in self-imposed exile um he'd been for several years um after uh protesting he removed himself from public life and he'd destroyed. All copies of the Gumboot Cloggeroo record, which I think was released in 1978, that was his last record to protest uh, the Canadian the tr- treatment by the Canadian recording industry of Canadian artists, ah. and he was compelled to do that because he uh, was going to be booked to play at the CNE, um, and Tom between 72 and 78 was the, among Canada's biggest you know performers entertainers, yeah, most popular, and he, and they booked him at a Maritime Day event at the CNE, and he learned that the CNE had actually block booked all american entertainers for the main grandstand. So he oh. so he withdrew himself. He held a press conference, and there's tape. You can see there's a video on YouTube of him holding a press conference, bringing to the press conference a, a cardboard box with all of his Juno Awards in it, and he gave his Juno Awards back, basically saying, like, you know, until you wow. change. Yeah, And I write about this all in On Cold Road, too, but there is footage about that. No, he... So he removed himself from public life to protest this. So I just... So when I got into Tom in Ireland, I thought, I'll come back, and I'd just like to meet the guy, right? And maybe I'll write about him or whatever and stuff. And when I went to look for him... I found out that he was an exile. So um, I spent time at Boot Records, uh, which was his record label that he started with, Yuri Krytik, um, in Mississauga. They had a little shop in Mississauga, you know, and that's where they manufactured. And Boot signed a lot of Canadian country artists too, not just Tom. Sure. Um, and Tom was one of the first, like, truly independent uh, recording artists in the country. He went his own way, right? So I went there and I uh, I got to know the the, the secretary um, who sort of sat in the uh, the main office there is when you walked in, she was there typing. And I got to know her and I just hung around. I sort of was like wanted to find out where Tom was. And then um, uh, finally, one day she held up a letter um, that she was typing. She held it up and it was addressed to Richard Hatfield, who was the premier of New Brunswick at the mm-hmm. time. And it was inviting him to celebrate uh, Tom's 50th birthday party at this um, address in uh, Fat, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down the address... <laughs> And then I uh, went back home and talked to a couple of buddies and I said, Tom, I got, I know where Tom's Connors is. I know where he is. Because nobody could find him at that point either. There'd been attempts. Sure. Um, he was really closely, uh, he had a very secreted life. He was very guarded about, you know, not wanting to be found. Anyways, we showed up. So winter is February 1986. We showed up in this, at this community hall Was snow was falling in the country. So Balnafet is Halton Hills area, right, yeah, okay. right around there. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, this little community hall. And we could hear music inside. And there was a guy out on the landing. And I I had a petition in my back pocket that I'd circulated um, over the course of the previous few weeks among friends and musicians, Tom and Tom Connors, it was, it was titled Stomp and Tom Connors You know We need you to come back The youth of Canada Need you to come back Something corny like that right. I don't think I had Like 80 signatures Or something mm-hmm. And I brought that And I brought a demo ta- A rheostatics demo tape And Because um, we hadn't Released our record yet So um, uh, A guy a Guy was there And I said Is Tom and Tom Connors In there And he was like Hold on I'll get him So he left And then we were sitting You know Out in the cold On the landing And you know He came out And he was in, You know in, a, in his leather vest And he had his cowboy hat on And cowboy boots And he had a he was smoking a Rothmans with like um, what do you call those things? The um, like a big, big long filter, like right? Micronite filter. One of those yeah. Yeah, yeah, and holding a beer in his hand, and uh, I said, you know, Tom, we're here to represent the youth of Canada, blah blah blah. I gave him the petition. We said we really need you to come back, and I gave him a demo. I gave him the tape, which it turned out wasn't a Rio statics tape, but a tape with uh, <laughs> two Patty Smith songs on one side. So. I don't know. He probably put that on and thought, "What the fuck are these guys up to?" Right? When was the songs were "Hey Joe" and "Piss Factory"? So completely bewildering, I'm sure. Nonetheless, gave him the tape, and he said, uh, "Well, that's." He said, "Thanks. Where where are you guys from?" And we said, uh, "We're from Toronto." And he said, "You come all the way from Toronto. You might as well come and have a few drinks, right?" So oh, wow. he brought us in, and you know, uh, the original like guy that he wrote "Bud the Spide about was there. Uh, Richard Hatfield was there. Another, a couple of other Maritime premiers who I didn't know um about 100 people uh, there was a band playing it was just like a country it was a country uh, community hall like a country dance kind of vibe yeah. uh his wife lena uh, rolled out a cake, um, enormous cake in the shape of Canada. Um, everybody got a slice. I had a little, my corner was Nova Scotia and I, I, I kept it in my room for like 20 years. It's gone now. I didn't know how to really properly preserve it. Yeah. But after meeting him, it was like, so, so, so I wrote a story for Nerve Magazine uh, about it and it got back to Tom. Tom read it and then he realized, oh, maybe it's time to, you know, maybe there's a whole other generation who are actually... You know, uh, who, have a, who have a fresh and a new perspective about what Canada can be, and what Canadian art and Canadian music can be, and that's when he kind of came back, and um, and then we remained friends for many many years afterwards, and so there was so that was a ma- that was a pivotal mo- pivotal moment for us sure. in terms of realizing what we wanted to do, and then we went on tour in '87, and we really we wrote our first three records from that tour in '87, right. and we wrote about it. You know, um, I always wanted to write about Canada in a way that was you know, wasn't like a, you know, wasn't hinterland who's who, or wasn't like some corny CBC special or wasn't right. like, you know, that actually had a real the consideration of art and finding art on the prairie, you know, and finding art and the characters we met in Northern Ontario or people we met on the coast, like, and that journey for us was such an epic journey anyways, it took us two and a half months to cross Canada in 1987 that, uh, how could you not write about it? Or how could you not find these amazing things? And for us, because We were kids who never went anywhere. Like going to Regina was like going to Paris. I gotta tell you, it sounds absurd, but like going to a a big city that we learned about in geography class, you know, was new people, new kids that were into cool music and meeting bands. And that really turned us around. So when we recorded Melville, which was the record we made after that that tour, which was completely Canadian, really from top to bottom, that was kind of our, that was our, you know, our signature, I think into the world of of popular culture in this in this country and stuff and that has Saskatchewan that's on the court, herd, blah 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 and that's how we sort of friends from from that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
6: The moon hung high in the canopy of the sky. I knew the truth I felt I got what I deserved and I knew As the cannonballs soared by overhead Home, Caroline, home The whole gave in Water came rushing in across the
4: deck
6: Home, Caroline, home I thought of a farmer and the work to be done Oh home, home, Carolina home. Home. I thought of the clean light and the places that we'd hide in a church Saskatchewan The deck. I tried to shoot, but I could not. We must wrestle back when we had song. We must wrestle back when we had left. I could not fire, and I don't. I thought I got what I deserved, and I knew the truth.
3: And I know, and at this, uh, generationally, all that stuff was happening, I'm thinking, people's consciousness. I think it was just was a consciousness that was rising. Sure. Because for years, you know, growing up, we were always pressed upon by, you know, American colonialism and British colonial- colonialism. And mm-hmm. with the, even though there was this indigenous, you know, um, a popular culture, it wasn't really, you know, those weren't really the songs you heard on the radio. And those weren't really no, the, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, the figures that you kind of worship. So, yeah. yeah. Better now. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> it's
2: true. You mentioned Melville. Yeah. And I, I was... You know, in doing my research, yep. um, Melville and Whale Music, both are top 100 Canadian records of all time, both um, from the Chart yep, chart Magazine reader poll. Yep. There's mm-hmm. been three different reader, reader polls and both of those have charted on that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a book as well. And the book is, uh, I have to look at my notes. Bob Mesro, That's right. Yeah. 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 Top 100 Canadian yep. songs. Yeah. How does that feel?
3: That's great. It was like fantastic. Like I mean, legacy <laughs> yeah. wise,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, it's
3: nice. It's nice to have that. It's nice to look back and, yeah, to know that um, people appreciate the records on on mm-hmm. those levels. Oh
2: yeah, totally proud.
3: Super yeah. proud of them for sure. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think when we like like for the reasons that that I kind of explained the sort of the the, the reason Melville was born um, was out of these really inspired experiences we had traveling. Like I think we. I can I don't necessarily think. Maybe it's the, I'm putting it the wrong way, but even if we didn't feel that we were creating something important or something that would have, you know, a legacy to it, we were we we were we were excited that we felt like we were creating something new, and we were excited by that. And you never oh, sure. know what's going to sustain and what's not going to sustain. But there was a real excitement, um, a collective, this kind of a, the epiphany that we had with the songwriting. And with the, you know, the approach of the music and oh, stuff yeah. too. And that's cool. And that's the, you know, that's the, um, you know, that's the light that you're always chasing. Right. And um, at, at, in th- those instances, it, it seemed to, ju- the light just seemed to be turning on a lot mm-hmm. at that time.
1: Well, it was exciting and new. I remember seeing the video for
3: Record Body Count mm-hmm. and going,
1: what's this <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> that time period it was it really you know it yeah just really stood out it was very different
3: thanks and that's yeah that's much music too and everybody's yeah. kind of keyed into that and excited yeah. discovering these bands and oh yeah it was, yeah. A, it was a fun time yeah. yeah i'm not cynical about you know uh you know music video that era and stuff too because it really especially with much music it did a lot for canadian bands sure you know oh, it's yeah. because we are so traditionally because we're so big and so vast and cities are so far apart like people ask me i was is touring different now than it was before it's just like regina's still seven hours from calgary calgary man it's like there's still (laughs) long drives and early mornings right and rugged weather and awful you know (laughs) tough roads so um but then so because when we're really regional that way scene wise so that's why it was great to see you know a video by the odds or whatever you know that you never would have heard of before Or even the hip, too, and like bands that just like you wouldn't have necessarily crossed paths with unless you were going out on tour. Yeah. Um, And it took, you know, such effort for Vancouver band to come play Toronto, vice versa. Oh, yeah. Seeing them on much music, seeing on TV was was a great way of getting to know them.
2: It feels like a thousand years ago. I know, but it it was. The landscape has changed so much. It's true. Yeah. Totally. Just had it locked on. I was just glued to much music all the time. mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah. You guys were on the 95 roadside attraction
3: so we first played with the hip on canada day 1994 oh, okay july 1st
2: very famous show that was yep that <laughs> sure
3: was i think we were the last band to kind of get off scot-free honestly <laughs> um because it started to oh god that was started yeah, was the turn it was with awful. jane sibury and they were there she was on after us yeah yeah it was awful Gord started his set by saying this song goes out to sh- assholes who throw shit at musicians and but
2: um, nonetheless, like that. It's not Canada Day, it's Friday, I remember him saying OG at 7. one point. You know, yeah. You
0: know. Here's a song for an asshole drunk shit at musicians. And this is not
5: Canada Day, this is Friday. <laughs>
3: that aside honestly it was That was the first time i met gord first time any of us had met the hip mm-hmm. um it was a pretty kind of a well it's kind of a great day for us you we got to play kind of in the middle of the lineup played to that was more people who never played to in our lives and mm-hmm. um and it was it was it was great a great time so we played played with them and that on that show and then 95 we did the tours yeah. yeah yeah how
1: was that experience
3: um well we did a, like we did the um we did roadside attraction and then we did the trouble at the hen house tour so we did two full-length national tours with them Mm -hmm. um and we would have done um a little bit of we would have done stuff patchy stuff here or there kind of in between as well but but so it was really two and a half three years of us playing with them a lot wow wow um and uh and yeah (laughs) so it was um you know great to be able to get it, get our music in front of people, and I think it, I think as we started to play with them, um, their crowds started to become a little bit more open-minded, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they started to change. The, hip, the band themselves started to change as well. Yeah, to started to become uh, more uh, exploring more sounds yeah. and more ideas. Oh yeah, yeah. So day for I,
1: night and henhouse or
3: totally yeah yeah. So so yeah so and the other records have lots to recommend, obviously, oh, but. Of course. But yeah, they, they 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 were evolving as their fans were evolving as we were evolving. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a it was a joy. I must say, I really don't have very many um, you know dark um, memories of that time. Good, I don't. <laughs> I mean, life is always complicated, but yeah. the shows really generally went off went off really well, and. Uh-huh. Um, i thought we i found it really fun to learn how to you know negotiate a big stage yeah um we learned after about three or four four shows to move you know we all had our star points on this giant stage and we realized we were completely lost you know we weren't (laughs) because we'd mostly played clubs all our lives and small theaters and here we were you know so we learned to sort of set up tighter which is what we still do today right to um you know, set up as if we were in a club, only being on a big stage. You can go wander away if you have to, but when you're all singing, it's good to kind of be closer together and stuff too. So, um, so we learned to do that. Um, We got to, you know, be in the great, you know, hockey rinks of my, you know, imagination, you know, whether it was Winnipeg Arena and, or, you know, uh, uh, Pacific Coliseum and obviously Maple Leaf Gardens. I mean, Gord got us to the gardens, right? For me, I'll, I'll always been, be indebted to, to, to him and the band for, giving us that opportunity mm-hmm. you know to play in the rink of my life you know yeah. the place that you know we we'd played there before we played there in um 1992 um, we sang the we sang O Canada ah. um, on November 26 1992 I know that date because it was the night before my wedding oh. so um, wow. we all uh, all the guys in the band they were in my wedding party so they all tuxedos rented for the wedding so we wore tuxedos <laughs> to <laughs> sing O Canada that night and uh, it was one of the great uh, one of the great times so I we'd done that but we never rocked at the gardens yeah. so getting a chance to rock and I remember like the second we played the first night it was incredible and the second night I remember, like, uh, I rode my bike home. It was just such the duality of the experience was fascinating to me. That was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It felt great, you know? It's like, you know, one minute you're in front of, you know, 10,000 people or whatever, the next minute you're just kind of going riding your bike through queen's park it was yeah. lovely you know it's and it's amazing yeah so to be able to kind of do that was great but anyway so uh yeah no that uh yeah and it was great to watch them every night and see how they kind of uh, went about their business and and you know because i, I knew i knew gord well it, i i didn't really i know the other guys as well and it was great to get to know them all and they're mm-hmm. awesome and welcoming and really fun and i feel you know you know, i feel indebted to them too so yeah, yeah
1: was there a, did you feel like camaraderie with the other uh, 90s canadian bands was there a bit of a you know, tip of the hat towards each other like you're uh sort of on a similar path yeah was, they got like a new sound was going on there's such a boom you
3: know? yeah well we so those i mean those roadside attractions too you know with the spirit of the west and mm-hmm. um the inbreds and change of heart um yeah there was so there was yeah natural kinship with those guys yeah that's great not not just them and i always say like don't shed a tear you shouldn't shed a tear necessarily for those 90s bands despite the fact that you know pre sort of pre broken social scene stars um metric that kind of that 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 era of bands mm-hmm. who really seem to have you know vaulted into this new uh, uh level mm-hmm. of popularity for independent music um you know 10-15 years after us um People shouldn't be feel bad for people for musicians in the '90s half halfway successful musicians mm-hmm. in the '90s because we all bought houses. Yeah, sure. And We all bought houses when you couldn't afford a house. Yeah, that's great. Right, and everybody that I know, whether it's lowest the Low, Thirteen Engines, you know, um, uh, on and on, um, everybody kind of ended up doing sorta of okay. Mm-hmm. Um so it was a good sort of time to be an active oh, sure. band that made a little bit of money at that time. Yeah. John um, Crinchley from Thirteen Engines has a yeah, great studio down in uh, yeah. he's a great guy. Totally. And yeah. he's that's right. So he he did okay. So yeah. um yeah, uh yeah, that was the and I you know, I'm trying to think <sighs> yeah, it's um yeah, there were there were there were a lot of bands too, and there were a lot of bands that um you know, you weren't aware of and you'd you know, you'd you'd see you'd just head to a club and perform you know, and just mm-hmm. check out whoever was playing and you'd see these incredible bands and yeah. that uh it seemed to like everybody had a band of that. At yeah, that I think they did. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's good.
1: But it's great. I mean uh, the the uh you know, um the trail that was blazed from yeah. that time period sure. o- opens the door for bands like Broken social yep. Scene and Arcade Five totally. to have that great success. And it was a really electric, uh, inspiring period in mm-hmm. community music is it's really important it's very <laughs> wonderful and thank you yeah yeah of course yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, with you guys with this the band uh, calling it a day mm-hmm. and now back together right since t- uh, 2016 mm-hmm. um, and now the new album mm-hmm. which so I guess these songs have been around for a little bit uh, uh, Albatross and yep. uh, a, a few others well uh, maybe two three years ago played live I feel sounds like. about right yeah. yeah sure so uh what was that recording experience like now going back to do another album this many years later i mean you guys have stayed in touch and i know you and martin continued to work together
3: yeah we never that's the weird thing about us breaking up there was no antipathy really right there was kind of a bit of you know um uh sadness i guess but there was never like fuck you i don't right, want right. to see you again blah, blah, blah. Know, like true. everybody's still kind of nobody <laughs> tried to rip each other anybody's yeah. head off really at least not that time um but nah, everybody got along right yeah. so that was really what we should have done at that point is just kind of said see you in seven years you know sure taking a bit of a break but you don't know that obviously you yeah. just keep trying to push through um but yeah uh it was so it was it's it, it, everything's always emotionally fraught and there's going to be you know dynamics that you that you have to kind of wrestle with over the course of the creative process but it was all really easy and fun yeah. honestly i must was say was it
1: kind of sliding back in older teens was it just like i think you know, it, yes are I you guys know, different as a group now well, i
3: think everybody's better everybody should be better <laughs> everybody's older yeah, everybody's yeah. i don't know everybody <laughs> should be you should, should be better you, you make a better table right the more you, tables you make and yeah, right. um i do think that's true though i think i think everybody's really yeah everybody's good yeah um and um thrilling group of musicians to play with and hugh marsh and kevin herner on this record as well and they're amazing it gives us you know it means that we're not just staring at each other in the van either There's two new guys to make fun of which is nice (laughs) and we do um so that's so and they're Incredible. it's nice to have a big band as well yeah. and and but uh and dave clark we hadn't played with him for a long time that's as great. well so it's nice to get back with him and yeah. he's a master back yeah. there and incredible dude and a great musician and great friend and uh yeah so it's it was listen people people should uh, should um uh, perceive this as nothing more than a victory lap really that's yeah. nothing sort of, not, nothing beyond the fact that it really is a true um yeah it's a true uh celebration yeah. for us that we're able to play so, yeah, well, uh, I mean, and the album doesn't
1: sound like, ah, oh, well, we decided to, you know, yeah. it, it's it's a real record. It really.
3: We tried know, to grind hard. We didn't try yeah. to mail it in. We tried no, to. No. We had a lot of songs. We really tried to, to to whittle down to the ones that we thought were counted uh, and. That title track. That's a big track. It's a big one.
6: Makes us strong We're healthy but we're sick
3: it's nice to, to have those those winding songs mm-hmm. that um you know carry the listener to different places yeah. and stuff and uh it was a thrill to write and i know you know for That's another thing, like I know that, you know, with that middle section in that tune, it's like, well, you know, this is one that that I could write for Martin to sing, and I, Mm -hmm. you know, even the sort of the twin vocal in the last passage too, Martin Mm -hmm. and Tim sing it together, and it's it's great having those tools at one's disposal as a songwriter as well, to be able to use all the kind of elements and stuff, and yeah, yeah, and we try to do a lot of that on this record as well.
1: Yeah, it worked out.
3: Yeah, good, I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun, I think it's a really fun listen. I still, you know, I'm not bored of it yet. Well, good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Neither are we. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be fun, thanks, and it'll be good to play the stuff too, and it'll be good to kind of know the songs well enough that we can kind of rip rip them apart and yeah. spin, spin them on their head a little bit and to- play with them, Yeah. toy with them. Yeah, for yeah. sure
1: um and what's the upcoming touring and dates we right? have
3: yeah i think we have got like eight dates or something i don't yeah. have them memorized but we're so in sure. toronto on the yeah, it's the danforth musical s- Hall. Right? yes we are yeah. december 6th that's right i think our fr- it's the sh- the tour starts off in omimi and then we have shows in bayfield ottawa london saint Catharines, a couple other i'm probably missing but a bunch of them
2: bayfield what a cool that uh, that's a great little town it really I is it. the
3: town hall there is the yes. venue it's smoking yeah.
2: you should go play my hometown now Waterford they have a town hall that um is gorgeous I'm available yeah well, <laughs> let's make it I'll happen make it, I'll make it yeah I'll okay make, it happen. make a
3: call yeah good deli tray <laughs> yeah good that's all it takes man excellent we keep the merch you get you get the rock it's good love to well you know like it's fun going to smaller places and playing too right yeah, Getting... when I saw that I was just like what a, yeah what a great yeah a great idea yeah, and they they're starting to do. Peter Meads is the promoter there. They start to they're starting to do more and more shows in Bayfield and stuff. And it's become you know people live there year round. Yeah. Torontonians live there year round yes. and stuff yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, friends, right. aunt and uncle
1: are there. Nice. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh. One thing. Yeah. We're. It's from the notes. So i <laughs> Let's go back to the <laughs> notes. Yeah. Uh. You guys covered Bob Cajun. Yes. Um. And from a a, a fan. Uh, perspective it was like that's the right song and the right band to do that how did you guys
3: come to it martin recorded a version of that on his own Uh several years ago actually Hmm. and uh that's yeah was his like yeah so that's kind of his arrangement and his treatment that's great and um yeah so uh i think he recorded it on new year's eve maybe four or five years ago wow yeah um and uh yeah so that was the that was the obvious choice to yeah. kind of do that. Yeah, it really that fit piece. perfectly. It was all... It, it was, was a great night. Great moves, yeah. yeah, it was a really night. At, that was a great night at George's place when mm-hmm. he had us play outside there um, in his courtyard, mm-hmm. and he had a threw a party and a bunch lots of people were there and yeah. and uh, yeah, it was really it was lovely. It was um, it was fun to do. <laughs>
6: After night Could have been The Willie Nelson Could have been The wine When I left your house This morning Was a little it was in Caton Where I saw the constellations I feel themselves one star at a time Drove back to town this morning working on my mind I thought of maybe quitting thought of leaving it behind went back to bed this morning and as I'm pulling that The sky was dull, and hypothetical, and
4: falling,
6: one cloud at a time. Ah, that night in Toronto, with its checkerboard floor, riding horseback, keeping order restored. The men they couldn't hang stepped up to the mic and sang, and their voices rang with that Aryan twang. A little had to find 'cause it was in Bob Cajun rest the their constellations ooh, reveal themselves one star at a
3: time. We'd also played with Gorge. Um, we did a CBC session with Gord mm-hmm. um, where we did, um, and it's on rheostaticslive.com, I think has it, but we have, um, uh, our, we played um, Every Irrelevance with him, an early version of that song. Oh, wow. And Gord also sings To Cry About by Mary Margaret O'Hara. We do that song with, oh, with wow. him. Um, and uh, I think he sings Take Me in Your Hand as well, He which he did. Gord sang Take Me In Your Hand, another song. I can't remember whether it was a hip song or a real song or a cover. We did it um, with him at the Big Bop, which was a club at Queen and Bathurst. Oh, yeah. We did it on the night Lady Di was killed. Oh. And I remember... Um, I remember that for a lot of people, it was great. Like it was one of the few appearances Gord had made outside of the hip, I guess. So people were really excited by that. Super excited. And the show went really well. And then word kind of spread around the club that, uh, princess Diana had died. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really strange night because there was this joy and then all people were really uh, upset by that. But, um, Gord tells the story about, so we, so this happened and, um, uh, we did the show and then we went back to the gas station studios in Liberty village, um, where Don Kerr and Dale Morningstar had their studio and we jammed and partied and hung out and Gord stayed out, he had young kids at that point and he stayed out, um, too late. Like we all did, <laughs> but he had a wife and kids at home and he, I remember Gord the next couple of days told me, you know, I went home and, uh, and, uh, Laura was awake like kind of waiting up for me, in, I guess. So Gord said that uh, he sat on the bed and he was like, he knew he was in the doghouse, right? Laura was pissed at me, So he, he turned to Laura and he said, hey, did you hear? Lady Di died. And Laura said, I don't care. <laughs> she was so mad at him. <laughs> yeah. So he got grounded after that for a couple of weeks. But... um but yeah, we played, with, that was great. It went well with Gord and that's when, then, then um, Radio Sonic was the program and we, Ron Sexmas was on that show as well. It was around yeah. the time of uh, Introducing Happiness, I think, and mm-hmm. we did a bunch of those tunes and then um, Gord and Ron guested wow. on, uh, yeah, you can find that all, I think, at dot re- re- uh, com. Great. And um, even if you just go YouTube, you just, Gord sings Mary Margaret, that's in mm-hmm. there as well
5: and stuff too. This next one's a song by Mary Margaret O'Hara. Everyone knows who she is Hey Dave) Take my life, I'll give you mine And you, you give me something To cry about You're in my heart in your hand, you drop me off, I miss you and you, you give me something to cry about. Listen to me, you already see what's to see, there will be a timed disaster, there's no you in my hereafter. feel for you after you go. And you, you know better than to cry. Cry about. To cry about. my heart I'm in your hand you drop me off I miss you and you give me something this is your this is your land up your cross, strike up the band. i still fall for you after you go, and you, you'll know better than to cry, to cry about. I right about.
3: Yeah it's yeah, yeah it turned out great I remember your early demos of coke machine glow as well and 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 Gord years later would say oh dave you know because um the the early demos I'm used, I'm giving Gord the same voice as Tom and Tom is the only voice I have apparently so uh, but anyway so Gord would say oh dave and I, 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 because I remember Vancouver Divorce playing, or hearing an early version of that song. Uh-huh. And I remember like, well, I was like, Gord, all oh, this song, wow, this song, this song is great. And then when it appeared on the record, it was completely different. I was like, dude, <laughs> why didn't you listen to me? It was like, oh, Dave, <laughs> you know, I felt it was partly my job in a weird way. One of my things about my relationship with Gord was to always kind of be like, completely honest with him. yeah, Even if it like, just, you know, because when you're at that level, you have a lot of a lot of people like holding just your dick, saying, you know, yes, you have a lot of sure, people yeah. just like, so I just felt like I had to be in a creative <laughs> capacity, like had to be like, yeah, that song doesn't really work for me. I mean, and of course when it was great, I would always give him praise, but, yeah. and so, and I think we had a little bit of that between both of us too. Mm-hmm. We need people like that around you to just be, hold up in the mirror and oh, be yeah. honest and stuff. Of so course. yeah, I hope yeah. you appreciated it. He, um, yeah, I was also, um. I really I, I, I tried to encourage Gord to do a couple I I always encouraged him to we did the book of poetry but I, I wanted to try to get him to do a bigger book which um he um he he didn't find the time to do um and also acting too like I I always I had written a couple of things for him as well hmm. that we didn't end up it didn't end up, and we didn't end up making them um as well but I know with him, you know, his capacity as an artist, mm-hmm. um, as enormous as it was, it really only scratched the surface of his abilities. Yeah. Um,
4: you can uh, see the potential for yeah. a million things. Could have done a million. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For
3: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And the other guys too, like the band as well. Like I oh, can't wait to yeah. see what the band does next. And I hope they do something as a unit mm-hmm. coming forward, you know, and um, because that, you know, just the, the, the power of that... Um, of the sound and the way those guys would you you know it was like um i people would like to make kind of car analogies but i kind of you thought of them more as a boat where you know you're on the water and the boat's kind of revving up and you're kind of cruising a little bit and then the engine starts going and then you just kind of get swept up into the power of moving forward, and they right. were always forward, forward, forward yeah. in their approach—driving, driving, driving, moving, moving, moving—and I think that sound we we're not we don't have the privilege of hearing that sound right now, and I would I, mm-hmm. I can't wait till when we get a chance to. To hear that again. Yeah, likewise. That's lovely. With whomever. Yeah. You could be singing for them. Great. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. totally. I think we yeah, should that make try. that happen. <laughs> <laughs> you, not so much. <laughs> no, no, no. We <laughs> <But you> don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> Nor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's
1: great. Um, one thing I, I would be remiss not to mention. I have to give a shout out sure. to uh, uh, my co-host, of my other podcast, Casey Lyons, who's, I think, the biggest rheostatics fan on the planet. Okay, uh, and he was definitely my educator.
3: Do you know he he's has another podcast? Yes. Oh, you're, oh yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I just wanted. say okay. I did to a yeah,
1: yeah. couple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we divide good. the time nicely. Okay.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, Casey. Yeah, but uh, we met in uh, college, and I was somewhat familiar with you guys, but not fully yet. And then right. I, that was my you know, cool, uh, my big exposure. So I really have to thank him and you for all. Good of old that. Casey. Yeah, yeah. He really nice. did a good job. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the thank thing you. I get,
3: I think I hear get I think I hear a lot from people is um people who approach me and say like i have a friend who's a huge like they they rarely say you know what i'm a huge they're like i have a friend everybody has a seem everybody who likes music in canada seems to have have a case
1: he was my gateway drug friend because now
3: i'm a huge fan no no yeah great (laughs) well yeah no clearly i am yeah you're in your podcast but um yeah i know that's really nice yeah yeah cool cool Yeah.
2: yeah nice the new record one more time where, where can people get it and um people can
3: buy it at their favorite record shop it's on vinyl wonderful and yes. uh yeah and you can get it you can steal it on the internet too yeah, yeah. or you can buy it on the internet um buy it on and the it internet exists in, buy it. yeah sure do yeah. it and you get exists in um compact disc form as well Ooh. so whatever you'd like yeah more or less right. yeah but the re- the vinyl sounds it's nice heavy it's a uh, weight weighted uh, yeah. slab and it sounds really good, yeah, too. It's an so. album for vinyl. That's uh, I think that's so, great. too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's a long record, nice, yeah. yeah slow well, burn. it's got impact, a, so. yeah,
1: it has a big life.
3: So. Cool, cool, yeah. great. Right on. Excellent. Well, thanks, thanks so much. Oh, well, man, thanks for having me. It's been really <laughs> yeah. fun. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. So this is the beginning of my podcast adventure. Please enjoy. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah, well, it worked out great for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm also casing your home while I'm here, too. yeah, yeah no
1: problem. It's okay. We don't need these things. <laughs> thanks so much. Cheers.
2: Fully and Completely is brought to you by Long Slice Brewery here in Toronto. For more information about Greg, Jamie, our guests, or extra episodes of the pod, go to fullyincompletely.ca. We're social. Go to facebook.com/slash groups fullyincompletely. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at FullyPodcast. And don't forget to listen, share, rate, and review the podcast at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.